Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi everyone, welcome back to Ozbiz Live from our Brangaroo Studios. Great to have your company for the next hour or so for the call. Uh, 10 stocks picked by you, put them to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. Joining me today, uh, the dynamic duo, Henry Jennings from Marcus today, <laughs> and re- returning from a European so- cultural sojourn, by the sound of it, and Andrew Whelan uh, from DP Wealth Advisory in Australia's cultural capital, Toowoomba, the home <laughs> of the Empire Theatre. Uh, Henry, welcome back. Good trip. Uh, it was a great trip. Thanks, Koshi. Had a lot of fun. And as usual, Europe was brilliant. Uh, the weather was fabulous. It's a little bit more expensive over there with the Aussie dollar in the toilet. <laughs> but apart from that, it was uh, it was pretty good as always. So, yes, no complaints from me. Yeah, excellent. All right. Let's um, uh, look at the first five, five stocks that uh, we're going to be covering this half hour. 4D Medical, a uh, couple of ETFs uh, because we've got the Whisper on board. Uh, Macquarie Technology Group and Nova Minerals rounds out this half hour. Stock of the day, though, uh, I thought we'd take a look at uh, TPG, the telco. Company has confirmed the exclusive due diligence period granted to Macquarie, uh, backed rival Vocus Group for the $6.3 billion sale of its non-mobile fibre assets, has expired in a statement to the market, TBG says discussions between the parties for the commercial terms of the deal remain ongoing with the consideration subjected to change. Surprise, surprise, given the state of markets at the moment. A successful deal could create a combined entity with an eight to nine billion dollar enterprise valuation. Uh, Henry, what did you think of the announcement and uh, does it put the Despite the statement, does it put the deal in jeopardy if they haven't got it done in the in the designated time? Uh, well, I guess to some extent it does put the deal in jeopardy, and certainly the market is looking at it that way. The stock's down around two and a half percent today. I guess really and truly, this is quite a complicated deal, and it was always set uh, to uh, take some time. And of course, now we've got that due diligence exclusivity has uh, no longer been in place. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's unlikely anybody else is going to do it. TPG very much want the deal to be done. Uh, they want to get out of servicing the schools, the hospitals, the offices, etc., and offloading all of its uh, enterprise business uh, and all that fibre uh, to somebody. Focus, of course, was bought by Macquarie and Aware Super uh, some years ago. So it makes a lot of sense for both parties. Uh, mainly, it will give Vocus as well scale to take on uh, Telstra, as well and it will allow TPG to focus. The, the recent results from TPG show some promise as well so even if the deal doesn't go through TPG is certainly perking up a little bit at the uh, at the bottom line level 
of course, CPG owned by uh, Sol Pats to some extent, 12 and a bit percent by Sol Pats and Vodafone uh, owns 27.8 percent. So the deal still makes sense. It was always going to take time. It was always going to be a pretty complicated deal in terms of those assets. But uh, I don't think we should be despairing just yet that it's not going to happen. It just is taking more time. And I guess that just shows the complexity of what uh, yeah. the issues are. So place. if you're a TPG shareholder, hold on. I'd say probably hold on for now. It hasn't been down a lot today, as I say, around 2.5%, which given uh, the state of the market, uh, that's not exactly the end of the world. So I'd certainly be holding on. As I say, the deal makes sense for both parties, for Vocus and TPG. If you wanted to play it in a more conservative way, maybe look at Sol Pats. But uh, I think uh, TPG does hold some allure for investors. So okay. if you held it, I think I'd still be holding it. And uh, just uh, you need to be a little patient with these sorts of deals because they are quite complicated. Okay. Andrew, do you find TPG still alluring, as uh, Henry described it? <laughs> you know, you think to yourself, what are we going to talk about today? What are, what are some of the lines we're going to come up with? And, and, and alluring was certainly not one of the terms <laughs> that I thought you could come out with. My friend Henry, yes, you maybe not so much. Um, look, it's okay. Uh, I know that's not exactly a ringing endorsement. No. Uh, harmless, maybe that's another way of putting it. Uh, the PE is pretty demanding for TPG. It's around 40 times, and I was just looking at Telstra before. Telstra's is 20 times. Mm. You know, and it, it play in the same space, but would you rather own T TPG versus Telstra? I mean, I think you'd probably want Telstra. And looking at the return over the last five years, Telstra's returned 8% per annum, including dividends. TPG, over the same period of time, has returned, when my computer doesn't want to freeze, minus 6% per annum. So it hasn't been an amazing investment. And TPG really needs to get this deal done because it's got a fair bit of debt that's trying to deal with. So I, I think it's probably come off too much to sell. But, you know, if you're looking for safety and telcos um, do offer some safety in the market, then, you know, you'd probably be more inclined to buy Telstra than TPG. But if you're in TPG at the moment, it is a hold. Okay, a hold. But if you're looking at telcos, Telstra is your preferred one. Or as my friend above me says, tech in a cardi. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go on. Let's let's go on to the first uh, stock that uh, George has come up with today. He wants 4D. A look at 4D Medical. George says, I remember Henry liking 4D Medical, um, and seems to have cooled off. Could it be worth getting in down at these levels? The uh, the imaging. Uh, medical uh, imaging company uh, spun out of Monash University, lung imaging technology, non-invasive. Um, Henry, have you called on 4D Medical? Uh, well, the market certainly has cooled and I got my fingers burnt. So there's a sort of certain irony there, I guess. Uh, I was quite keen on 4D Medical, as you say, and as George points out, uh, I, I thought it was one of those sort of penguin stocks that once you get one uh, sort of entity jumping at uh, taking contracts. They do 3D lung imaging, uh, sort of the next generation of lung imaging. Uh, and they have done a number of deals with the US Defense Department, commercial pilots, etc., cetera, uh, US VA hospitals as well. Um, but it is taking its sweet time, as they say, for those penguins to drop. And the market, which got very, very excited back in uh, April, May, uh, on the back of its first SAS contract, uh, with the University of Miami, and uh, that uh, really got things excited. That was a five-year contract. It has cooled dramatically, and to the point where back in May, 
we did see the company raise $45 million as well. So that uh, really put the kibosh on everything. Uh, it's, a, it's a massive market, and they are certainly tapping into the U.S. sort of veteran affairs opportunity. But it's just taking its sweet time, as they say. And as such, in these kind of markets, it is drifting off uh, to the point where at times it has been quite aggressively selling down. So uh, my original hope that once the, uh, the sort of the contracts would start flowing, uh, they would really kick off uh, hasn't really transpired as yet. So for the time being, if you've got it, I think, you know, you're probably a long suffering shareholder and you believe and maybe you should just be holding. If you're coming to it new, I would say that given the risk appetite in the market at the moment and the general sell down we're seeing, you probably can be a little bit patient. But uh, one contract, uh, one good contract commercialization mm. would certainly help. Okay, Andrew? Koshi, it's sort of that market where money is moving from weak to strong hands. Mm. And I'm not just talking about this, I'm just saying in general, you know, people are dropping their bundle um, and it's only, what, 6,900. And I mean, um, Henry was just talking um, beforehand that the VIX, it's just over 20, I think you said, Henry, didn't you? So, you know, it's still got a fair bit to go. So in other words, the VIX is the fear index. So when everyone's sort of dropping their bundle a little bit, all of these little sort of techie ones are going to sort of get thrown out baby with the bathwater. And 4D Medical were really opportunistic when they went out and raised that money at 91 cents. They're looking like absolute wow. gurus at the moment. Um, consensus is 96 cents of two. Um, interestingly, though, they've still got about 70 million cash at bank. So they've certainly got cash in the bank to sort of weather the storm as such. Uh, I think you just need to be patient with this one. It's certainly not a buy. The chart is sort of top left to bottom right, so it's not the right looking chart. But if you're a holder selling in this type of market, um, I don't think it would be advisable. So it is a hold that you're going to have to be patient. All right. And that's a, that is uh, the trend, isn't it, Andrew, that uh, uh, people are looking at different sectors and just going for the market leader the whole time rather than the, the second and third tiers. Well, but yeah, yeah, yes is the short answer, but equally so. And I don't think we're there yet. I mean, certainly there's stuff that's going on in the US Congress with uh, former speakers. It would be now McCarthy and all that sort of stuff going on. Uh, there's plenty of noise about and we need to sort of have an oh bother moment. So in other words, market really needs to sort of come yeah. off another, I'm not wishing it on us, but it needs to come off another 5 10%. If that were to occur, you'd actually probably start looking at these because that's where the money's going to be made. Right. But if you're in right. defence mode, and we'll talk about this more tomorrow on the drop at 1050, oh, uh, but if you're, mode, mode, then, you. uh, if you're in defence <laughs> mode, then thank you. If you're in defence mode, then certainly you wouldn't be buying these ones. You'd be, right. as you're saying, sticking right. to this, the, the favourites. Sector leaders. All right. Uh, okay, Whisperer, Stuart wants uh, a view on the Vanguard Australian Shares High Yield ETF. Um, what, do you, what do you think, Andrew, on uh, this one? Anything with high yield seems to capture the attention at the moment, does it? Indeed. Did you talk to Branson about the merch, by the way? You know how like, we talked about the merch <laughs> yes. last time? Did yeah, you yeah. talk to him about that? Yeah, no, he gave me some yep. good tips. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, look, certainly you're right. Like, um, if I look at my client base as an example, one in four uh, are self-funded retirees, and so obviously yield is important to them. So what this ETF does from Vanguard, it's about $3.1 billion funds under management, and it just goes out and buys, and I have this written down here, the top 76 
higher dividend paying companies and it just screens mm-hmm. the market, ex- excludes REITs, uh, but it's got, you know, your likes of Woodside, Combank, BHP, all those sort of names. Obviously, it's full of banks. It's about 40% banks, 25% materials and about 12% energy. So last year, it paid around a 6% dividend and predominantly fully frank. So you're probably going, wacky do that sounds really good. I just caution the uh, humble uh, Ausbiz viewer and listener, uh, or listeners rather, um, in that over the last 10 years, that dividend yield range has been anywhere between 3 and 7%. So in other words, if the basket of shares that it's holding, there's a bit of pressure on, then even though it's meant to be high yield, you may in fact, in fact find that a whole number of them aren't paying those dividends. So you're buying good quality companies. Right. There's a screening process to make sure that they've got the ability to keep paying dividends. But if the market's under pressure and companies stop paying dividends, it's not going to help you at all. So right. certainly people looking for yield, it's certainly one to consider. Um, but you are heavy in banks, 40% banks, and you're heavy in materials. So between those two, 65%, two-thirds of the portfolio is covered in just two sectors. So you've got a bit of concentration risk there as well. Okay. So what do you think? Would you, If you want yield, is this your best option? Oh, look, there's a couple of other ones. I mean, yes, but there's a couple of other ones out there. State Street, SYI has got one, uh, Russell, RDV, um, iShares, IHD. I mean, there's a number of them out there. But at $3 billion, this is certainly seems to be the market favourite. But again, all those ones I've mentioned, there's nothing wrong with them, but I'd put that same comment around all of them. Market's under pressure, not paying dividends. Not one won't outperform the other. They're all captured. So, look, if you're looking for dividend, it's a buy, but you've got to think about that concentration risk. Okay. Uh, Henry? Uh, Well, Andrew is the expert on this, obviously. He is the whisperer. And, you know, this has got 10% in BHP, and it's got huge concentration risk, as he says. Uh, the The performance... Uh, hasn't been great, although the yield is good and it is fully franked. But uh, for me, I guess, you know, he's just got to watch that the uh, the underlying assets. And when, at the moment, with the market going down, it's all very well getting a 6% yield. But if you're uh, if you're going to get your, your capital whacked by 5 6%, you're going nowhere, really, in the short term. So I would probably be avoiding it at the moment just because the market sentiment is so much against things at the moment. There are so many risks out there. As Andrew rightly pointed out, with the uh, the Speaker of the House as well yeah. in the U.S., just adding to the fun and games, yeah. and we've got, of course, the the U.S. yields pushing up, our own yields pushing up, uh, and you know it, it's not a great environment to be investing in equities generally. If you're going to get four and a half, five percent in the bank with no risk, or in Treasuries in the U.S., uh, then if you're looking at equities, which obviously carry a significant amount of risk, you want to be paid <clears throat> more significantly more for taking that risk right. and at the moment uh, i think we're a little way from that so you're saying just uh, just go into bonds go direct um, i'm just saying that there are alternatives I mean, we've gone from tina which is there are that you know th- there is no alternative when we had interest rates at zero or to one percent record lows uh, and equities obviously look very very attractive there and free money was around remember those days yep. of, of the nfts <laughs> and the spacs and all those wonderful times that we had with complete rubbish kind of instruments uh, and now of course we've got interest rates at four and a half and the u.s 10-year heading towards five percent uh, it, it does put a significant amount of pressure on equities and mm. uh, we're just starting to see some of those cracks. September, very much a month of cracks. 
and the US starting to crack as well to some extent. So, you know, there's certainly no rush, I think, at the moment to yep. be buying into the equity market. And you can see that by the volumes. The volumes are pathetic. Just talking, you know, a minute ago about 4DX, 96,000 shares are traded today. The stock's down 9.5%. You know, mm. so the volumes and interest have really dried up in our market. People are sitting on their hands. And given that we've had a huge drop of cash in September and certainly now with all the dividend, dividend checks hitting yeah. bank accounts. You know, that's just sitting in bank accounts. Why yep. would you risk it if you can get four and a half, five percent in your bank account? Yep. Good point. All right, let's go back to back, as they say in the uh, FM radio lingo. Uh, and Jeff wants a view, Andrew, on the Van Eck MSCI International Small Companies Quality ETF. Now you're in your your favorite one is Qual. This is Qual small companies, just as attractive. You you you've summarised it perfectly, Koshi. <laughs> it's literally, and it's the same company, Vanek. So Vanek uh, yep. has a Qual. It's literally just uh, small companies Qual. So let's just talk about small companies briefly. Small companies over the last two years has been an as as a uh, subsector, if I can call it that, has been an absolute wealth destroyer. Uh, has grossly underperformed the market. Market performance has really come from the large caps and in the large caps it's come from tech. So on face value, you'd have to say small caps would be a place that you should be thinking about. And then if you stick a quality overlay on that, and remember quality is high return on equity, steady to increasing earnings and steady to decreasing debt, you'd have to think to yourself, well, gee, I'm on a bit of a winner there. Uh, given again, you know, what's occurred with qual, if I think, have my qual head a mindset and then apply that to small companies, um, 150 companies, uh, so it's about half of what qual's universe is, qual's universe is about 300. I like the thematic, as in I like quality, obviously. I like the idea that one day small companies will bounce back. But to Henry's point before, and without trying to be a bit of a Debbie Downer here, there's plenty of reasons not to be sort of doing a lot at the moment. So if we know small companies are under pressure, potentially uh, interest costs are going up, uh, economy potentially going to go into recession, et cetera, et cetera, do you want to be holding small companies regardless of what mm. their quality is? <laughs> so I, I'd say, you know, it pains me to say it, but I'd say I'd probably avoid this one, not because I don't like quality I love quality it's more just there are safer ways to play the market at the moment this is not it however if and when the market gets its act back together and that's going to be when bond yields top out just as Henry was talking about before then small companies is where you must be uh, or must have some exposure if you've got a growth mindset it's just how do you do it you know do you do something like um, ISO from iShares which is the Australian run or do you do QSmall from Van Eck or uh, VSO from Vanguard. There's a number of ways to play it, but just at the time being, wrong time. Right. So I'm uh, so avoid, avoid avoid them all. Would you still be investing in your sort of God-given qual at the other end of the market? Gosh, gosh, I mean, wash your mouth out. Seriously, why why wouldn't you? You know. Oh, okay. why, all right. Why, 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 so the quality that? top end of the market. You'd still be putting money in an ETF there, but not at the small cap end. Yeah, but right. it, all joking aside, you've got to think about qual. So if we're going to have a quick sideline on yeah. qual, qual from memories about high 30s, low 40s percent tech. So tech was on a big run there earlier this year because everyone went bond yields have peaked. The game, yeah. US Fed will start cutting yeah. interest rates. 
you know, tech is a safe place to be. We've seen bond yields rip higher for all those reasons we just mentioned before. Tech is under pressure. Forty percent of your ETF is full of tech. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good the quality of the companies are. So we are just back to dollar cost averaging at the moment. So rather okay. than going, here's the sports bag full of cash, we're just doing little bits hmm. at a time. Okay. All right. Um, Henry, the, uh, the small companies ETF? What do you think? I, I was I was going to say never mind the quality, feel the width, but it made me feel the risk more than anything. So never mind the quality, feel the risk. Yeah, uh, Andrew's spot on with this and spot on with Qual at the moment. You know, markets, and we've just spoken about this. Markets have an alternative now. We we do investors are having this alternative now between putting money in the bank or in other yield instruments as opposed to risking assets, and we are gradually coming to the realization that we are going to see higher for longer, something that we've talked about in the newsletter for months and months and months, because at the end of the day, these are more normalized interest rate settings. You know, for the last 10 years, it has been an aberration. Uh, when you look back over history, you know, four and a half percent wasn't that high back in the 90s. Uh, and even pre-GFC, it wasn't that high. It's just the GFC and COVID that have distorted things so much. I think Andrew's right in terms of the small caps, that they are a good reflection of the economy. And they're always seen as kind of a leverage play to the economy uh, in that they respond quicker than these sort of big behemoths, yeah. which turn slightly slower uh, being sort of juggernauts that they are or oil tankers so they're, they're probably more racing yachts than uh, oil tankers but unfortunately when the storm blows the oil tanker doesn't really get deviated off course whereas the uh, the racing yacht can capsize and have some issues so i would avoid this one for now in fact you know in my small cap portfolio that i run i came back from holidays and things weren't particularly flash after september i've been reducing risk considerably uh, there and uh, tossing out some of my loss makers and uh, really dialing back the risk there because it's just mm. you know when you've got a storm out there why have your sales up it's just there's no yep. point in doing that you're yep. not going to get uh, you're not going to get marks for get, getting around that boy with a sail flying uh, only to be knocked over in the next gust of wind okay all right um, our next talk um, uh, Henry Dom wants a view on Macquarie Technology Group, the old Macquarie Telecom, that's changed its moniker to uh, technology. Of course, it's in data centers, uh, security, um, uh, big um, customer base in government. Uh, yeah, I mean, th this is always a tricky one. I've got to say, I like the stock, I like the company. Uh, the problem is that their two brothers, David Tudorhope and his brother, uh, own a massive, massive part of this. So the volume has always been pretty pathetic 4000 shares have traded today yeah, you know okay. it, it it's very hard to get set now for a retail investor that's not always the end of the world because you know if you wanted to buy a thousand shares you can do that the problem comes if a big institution for instance wants to sell you know two or three percent of their holding uh, you can push these things around uh, quite considerably because there's no liquidity in them. So that, that to me, is a concern. Uh, they are heavily into the cloud computing side of things and have been pushing into that. I actually sat down with David Tudorhope, who's a kind of a hard man to get hold of sometimes, uh, to, uh, to face the media uh, a few months ago and chatted to him. And, and cloud services and these data centers are becoming a much, much bigger part of their business. Cloud services making up around 55% of their revenue and data centers now around 11%. Uh, they did raise some money as well, uh, which went to paying off debt and giving them uh, some optionality. So, you know, all things are good, but liquidity is an issue. 
and you know they are sort of capital intensive building these things and of course we spoke at the top of the hour about focus and tpg and how that will affect things now that's clearly a negative if, if the two did get together and, and offered more competition at least in the uh, in the telecom space which still remains 34 percent of revenue so for me at the moment if, you, if you've got it it's probably a hold uh, I don't mind the story. I don't mind the sector they're in. But as I say, liquidity is an issue. If somebody wants to move a large parcel of stock, it can move dramatically, which can have a suboptimal effect on your wealth, mm. or at least the market to market of your wealth. So uh, it's probably a hold at these levels. But you know, against the backdrop of markets which are not in a particularly nice place, no rush okay. to buy it if you're coming to it new. Andrew, I like it a lot. Um, but I don't like that chart. That chart just looks ordinary. But again, you look at any tech company. So you might remember the Saran Superfund, the famous Saran Superfund. Uh, the only uh, share it's got left holding is zero. And uh, that chart equally looks terrible. So I certainly feel a bit silly still holding that. However, um, the the issue I can see for this, well, there's a few issues. The PE is very demanding at 51 times earnings relative to forecast earnings growth of about 40 odd percent. Uh, I do like the fact that over 95% of their revenue is recurring. I like businesses where they've got a high predictability of revenue. Uh, I like the fact that they went out and raised some money when the share price was okay and they've got a, got a fair bit of money in the bank. Uh, and I also like the fact that they've recently been added to the ASX S&P 300, which, as Henry says, is a minor miracle given the lack of liquidity in there. So there's lots to like about it, but in this environment where tech is on the nose, uh, you know, there's certainly plenty of geopolitical stuff going on. It is not inconceivable to see it going back into the mid to uh, mid to high 50s. And if that was the place, I'd be far more interested. But at 61, probably a touch too expensive. So it is a hold. OK. All right. Our fifth stock, uh, Marilyn wants a view, uh, Henry, on Nova Minerals, the, the golden lithium explorer. Um with projects in US, Canada and Australia. Uh, how's Nova travelling? Uh, well, David, I, I guess, you know, for Nova Minerals, it hasn't been a particularly good time to be a gold explorer, let's face it. They've got the Estelle Gold project in Canada. Uh, it's uh, talked about in glowing terms, world-class, tier one, etc. Um, but, you know, the share price is telling you something slightly different in that respect. Uh, it hasn't got a particularly high market cap. Uh, directors have been buying the stock, which is good. They do have some cash as well. Uh, but uh, clearly, you know, there are some issues surrounding it. But they are fully funded for the upcoming drill program, as they say. They've also got an investment in uh, a NASDAQ Lithium Explorer Snow Lake resources. And they point out in most of their presentations how cheap they look compared to some of their contemporaries. But the market at the moment is very anti-gold. And we have seen the gold price come under significant pressure and, and the good guys are getting cheap and the uh, the explorers have been getting cheaper as well. So for now, uh, there's a couple of good gold stocks that I'm looking at. DeGray is one that I do like. That's coming under some pressure. They're doing a big capital raise at the moment at $1.05. So I'm looking for an opportunity there to buy that one sub a dollar if that happens. Uh, gold stocks are generally for buying and selling, not for really holding long term because they are quite cyclical. Interestingly, of course, the gold price in Aussie dollar terms yes. isn't anywhere, any, anywhere near as bad as it is in US dollar terms. In fact, everything in Aussie dollar terms, commodity-wise, is pretty good. Uh, you know, when you've got the Aussie dollar at sort of 63 cents, commodities, although they've been whacked, 
uh, in Aussie dollar terms, the companies making US dollar earnings and converting it into Aussie dollars are doing pretty well in that respect and rubbing their hands in glee. For me, I, I think I'd just pass on Nova for the time being. Uh, I think it's a little bit too early in the piece for that one. And I'd prefer to look at some of the established guys that are getting cheaper and cheaper right. uh, and they will bounce first. Who, who, are, who are benefiting from that, that currency play on the gold price? Well, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Certainly, you know, I remember when the, the dollar was parity uh, with the US and everyone was, well, the Reserve Bank was continually telling us how terrible it was for, to be parity and that we needed to get the Aussie dollar down to remain competitive on the international stage and our exports to do well. Yeah. Well, you know what? Be careful what you we wish for, it. guys, because <laughs> here we are at 63 cents. I'm, yep. I think we should cut Hugh Paul Keating with a banana republic comment. <laughs> But, you know, at 63 cents, we haven't even seen the CSLs or the ResMeds or these guys that earn lots of US dollars making any no. kind of positive noises about things. In fact, we've seen FX headwinds for the likes of CSL and ResMed, which does tend to think that maybe they've stuffed up their hedging somewhere along the line. But, yeah, you know, whatever happened to the US dollar strong, Aussie dollar bad, good for uh, our exporters <laughs> narrative, which seems to have completely dissolved in this current climate. Okay, you're on a roll there when you went, and we've heard F, I was gonna X, uh, I'm glad you came out with the X um, yeah. from CSL or Resume. Andrew, were you a bit skittish then as well? Uh, what do you think oh, of no, that? <laughs> I, I trust him implicitly. I've, I've heard him say a lot worse, so no. Uh, and you're amongst friends. Do you, Thanks, friends, so. do you agree with um, on Henry's assessment of Nova? Yeah, I, I can think of lots of reasons not to be there, in particular the chart as a starting point, top left to bottom right. Um, but, you know, when the company's resume, if I could use that term, talks about gold in Alaska, interest in lithium, rare earths and aircraft manufacturing. I mean, you can see how that all works together, can't you? Um, if, if, if that's not an amber flashing light, I'll show you a red flashing light. Okay, but so, directors have been uh, buying. That's one of your filters. They, Indeed, it has, and and actually buying pretty aggressively too. I might add, uh, in particular, the CEO um, been sort of getting stuck into it, uh, and the chair is uh, holding about one point eight million dollars worth. So not inconsequential, mm. but uh, you know, like I look at like Seven Group as an example, the Stokes family, and they can have an eclectic mix of investments because they work. Yeah. Uh, sadly, can't say the same for Nova Minerals. So again, another one of these ones where why would you sell it down sixty one percent? But, yeah, it's going to take a lot of arm twisting and quite a few uh, gins to convince me that it should be a buy at the moment. So okay. it's... Uh, All right. Keep off the gins. All right, let's uh, recap the first five stocks. Uh, TPG, uh, a hold if you're in it from both um, Henry and Andrew. But, Andrew, if you're not in it, uh, it's tending towards a buy. Um, 4D Medical, uh, a hold from both... Uh, the Vanek uh, Australian Shares High Yield ETF, um, a yes if you, you want yield, understanding that there's a concentration there and um, uh, in, the, in this period of time, companies could be um, cutting their dividends in the future. So aware, be aware of the risk. Henry is saying if you, want, if you want yield, go to some of the other alternatives out there like bonds themselves. Uh, the Vanek... Um, 
uh, MSCI, International Small Companies Quality ETF, and no from both of them because small caps are being hit with this downturn in the market at the moment. Uh, Macquarie Telecom, a hold from both. Nova, a no from both. If you're looking at um, at gold stocks, Henry um, is more attracted to DeGray if you can get it below a dollar. It's uh, uh, going through a raise at the moment. Uh, here on the call, we've been following our own high conviction fantasy fund as picked by the investment committee. The latest episode is up now for you to watch, osbiz.com. Uh, that is the October meeting. Um, and let's see how actually it went up last night is around 7% uh, return at the moment, being dragged down by a uh, reasonable weighting in CSL. Um, the October meeting uh, brought in Camplify to replace a Vita and um, took some profits uh, as well on Paladin. Um, so go to the platform and see the uh, the latest committee meeting. This half hour, we're going to be ta- taking a look at AV Jennings, the property group, Melbana Energy, Silex Systems, Liontown Resources, a uh, bit more action in Liontown today with Jenna Reinhardt and Patriot Battery Metals. Uh, Rick uh, wants a view and uh, as us specifically for Andrew, we're going to throw in Henry as a bonus. Um, for a view on AV Jennings, the uh, the property conglomerate. Andrew, what do you think of Jennings? Um, yeah, look, I, I haven't followed AV Jennings uh, that closely, so I'm sorry if I've misled uh, the viewer that I'm uh, the AV Jennings whisperer. Uh, so uh, can't 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 profess to be that one. Maybe it's a new sideline for me if ETFs don't work out. However, um, it's um, Probably the first thing that I'm sort of turning my mind to is that lack of volume going through. We were just sort of bemoaning the fact that I think it was Nova had nothing going through. According to my data, and maybe it's wrong, $4,000 a day traded on a $162 million company. Um, Now, again, as I said, it might be erroneous data that I have, but even if it was $38,000 a day, 10 times what my numbers are saying, that's pretty thinly traded. Um, So that's a bit of a concern to begin with. If we then take a step back and look at sort of the industry they're involved with at the moment, sort of land development, housing, apartments, etc. So they did really well in COVID, um, certainly with that home builder boost, but obviously have been impacted relating to supplies, relating to tradies, uh, etc. Uh, one of my favourite sayings is, you know, when companies start talking about challenging conditions, so there's your amber flashing light, uh, suspended the dividends, suspended their buyback. Uh, and in fact, if you have a look at the whole sector, they all have very poor return on equity or return on assets. So it's certainly something that I wouldn't want to be involved in. And then probably the icing on the cake is that it's down about 7% per annum over the last five years. If I was just simply to buy the ASX, to so buy the top 200 companies in a basket, I would have made 7% per annum. So I can think of lots of reasons not to be there. So it's certainly, again, it's, it's not a selling market. So I'm not a seller, but I'm definitely not a buyer. So it's yeah. a hold. Yeah. Henry, it is just an iconic name in the housing market, is it? The uh, the building market, and you look at that five year chart. It's gone between forty and sixty five cents for the entire five years. Doesn't ever do much, does it? 
makes me a very proud old builder. Possibly. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> was, I think that was that was the tagline. In fact, yep. uh, many many years ago, when I was on the floor of the Sydney Stock Exchange and it closed, uh, there was a bit of a uh, auction of some of the names, the magnetic strips of the names of stocks. And on my fridge in the garage, I've got uh, AV Jennings, yeah. and as it's my namesake, and it, and it stood me in good stead. I have to say, when I was first came to Australia, because people uh, assumed that I was related, uh, <laughs> which which was always good, and uh, I, I I kind of played along with it to some extent for a little while, but um, I soon found no. out. Shop. Um, well, you know, you got to make friends where you can, haven't you? There's a pom coming here if you can say yeah. you're related to AV. And there were some lovely stories that came out from Mr. Uh, AV, uh, the old gentleman that uh, that ran it, started it, founded it, etc. Um, and, and towards the latter days of that um, that period. So, uh, for me, you're right. This is trading between 40 and 65. It did well during the uh, the COVID thing. No dividend. Uh, they talk about, as Andrew says, challenging year. Strong results. Revenue was up 23%. Gross margin uh, was up a little bit. But we have seen a number, and this is a good thing and a bad thing as well. We have seen a, quite a number of uh, of home builders in Australia having serious financial issues. Mm. And I don't think the trading market's quite as strong as it was. So this may play into the hands of AV Jennings to some mm. extent, because at least uh, the, the strong survive. Uh, they made a profit of 31 million, which was up 72%. And contract sizing signings, though, down uh, from a 305 million in FY22 to 155 million. So that's not great. Um, there is obviously a little bit of a housing boomette going on at the moment. And uh, certainly lots of talk about new houses being built. So there, there's some positives in there. But given the headwinds, I guess, with inflation and the interest rate environment, it's hard to find any really good reasons to be there. There's so many good companies uh, that have got appeal that are being whacked and bashed down. Um, I'm really not sure that a home builder in Australia is where mm. I'd like to be at the moment, especially given that, you know, the good times uh, and the liquidity are hardly spectacular when they do come. So yeah. not for me, I'm afraid. Yeah, down near five-year lows at the moment. That's how tough it is yeah. for builders out there. All right, yeah. uh, Henry David wants uh, your view on Melbana Energy, the uh, oil and gas exploration company uh, with interest in Cuba and here in Australia as well. Uh, yeah, Melbana has been an interesting one. They have got Cuba is the big focus for these guys, and it has been... A volatile ride, to say the least. Uh, Alameda 3, the uh, appraisal well, is on target to spud in November 2023, and obviously the market will get pretty excited about that. The drilling rig is on site, uh, and there are preparations for early production from Alameda 2. So uh, that was going to give them some production, but just they have had some disappointing drill results. Uh, the market has interpreted them quite disappointingly at times and then reversed uh, that kind of uh, thought process uh, with more clarification and more thought. And the stock has then perked back up again. But I think at the moment, you know, given where risk assets are, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to like the, the oil story. And Karoon has done very well mm. for us here at Marcus today. It's been one that we've been pushing and we're pushing at much lower levels. Got a $2.70 recently, which is a pretty good level. Uh, but for me, I guess, you know, drilling to come in November, the market might get excited about that. But it has been volatile. Results have been somewhat unpredictable. Some production coming on stream. 
Uh, I think there's probably other oil stocks I'd rather look at. Invictus is one, IVZ is one that we've looked at as well. And uh, I still like Karoon, although I was quite happy to try and take some profits at $2.70, although missed it as the oil price came under pressure. But uh, you know that uh, that one's a bit in no man's land at the moment. But Melbana for me, probably uh, you're probably a month away from getting excited about that one. Okay, all right. So where's Karoon at the moment? It's about two fifty. Two fifty. So you, would you still be taking profits on Karoon? Well, I, I was hoping to get 270, but then the oil price fell out of bed and the stock price has been down on the back of it. The oil price was up last night. Uh, I think it's in no man's land now. Right. I think at 240, I'd probably be a buyer. At 270, I'd probably be a seller. Mm, okay. Uh, Melbana, Andrew? Yeah, look, um, agreeing with everything that Henry said, uh, they've got about 35 million in the bank, so that's helpful. Uh, less helpful is they spent $12 million on exploration uh, over the last three months. So you'd have to think there's going to have to be some good news come out in November, I think Henry said. You'd have to think there's – well, the company would be hoping for some good news in November and that might be an opportunity uh, if they're continuing that current burn rate to go out and raise some more money. So even if there is good news, then a cap raising, as we know, is not helpful. That tends to sort of stifle the share price other areas that we can get that sort of energy exposure. I mean, Karoon, I, I certainly agree with. Uh, or, you know, I uh, would be, wouldn't be the call if I didn't mention an ETF fuel, um, top oil producers globally. But again, if we're just worried about the sort of geopolitical macro environment, then you'd probably just be a bit cautious on that too. But certainly it's a no for me on this one. If you're already there, it's a hold. Okay. All right, what about, uh, uh, sorry, Henry? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just keeping still. Okay, all right. I thought you were um, um, throwing out the uh, the plaudits to Andrew there or otherwise. Um, oh, always, always. <laughs> Andrew, local wants a view on Silex Systems. This is a uranium company, but, but uh, not a miner of uranium. They're into enrichment technology. Is this a, a yeah. uranium play that's... Uh, sort of in, in the picks and shovels area rather than the, the pure play miner. Yeah, I would actually don't mind this one, Koshi. Um, and it's had, you know, quite a good run given the recent bounce in the uranium price and certainly the uranium ETFs out there, URNM for memory. Uh, it's also had a pretty good run as well. Uh, so it's basically laser enrichment technology uh, for uranium. And they're also doing silicon uh, enrichment for quantum computing. And they're also sort of uh, getting involved with medical isotopes as well. So they've got a few mm -hmm. finger in a few different piles. If you think about uranium just at, at a high level, and this comes from the recent company announcement, there's about 400 uh, nuclear reactors in use around the world. There's another 59 that are under construction and a further 110 planned. So certainly the Silex technology dealing with either new, uh, uranium trailings, uh, tailings rather, or uh, sort of nuclear weapons that are being decommissioned, that sort of ability for that technology to be used is a, is a real opportunity for them. The other thing is that uh, prior to everything going uh, toes up in Ukraine and Russia, and I don't mean that in a flip, flippant manner, I just quite, don't know quite how else to put it, um, over half of the uranium <laughs> enrichment around the world was actually being done by the Russians. So you've got 
got huge um, geopolitical risk there, which again mm. opens the door for Silex and their technology. Probably the only thing we need to think about is the ESG side. You know, is this an ESG style investment? Um, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Uh, so I, I, I actually quite like it. I'm, 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 I'm going to go out there and say it's a buy. Okay. We haven't had a buy today. Let's, no, let's put a buy excellent. All right. Uh, go? Henry, do you agree? Um, I have been following Silex for the best part of 30 years. <laughs> I have been a shareholder of Silex for oh. the best part of 30 years. And you need therapy. Uh, I don't need therapy. It's all costly because I have to say I've done very well out of Silex. Oh. I originally bought them back in the 90s at around 34 cents. This spun out of Sonic Healthcare uh, and uh, for the uh, laser enrichment technology. Oh. And uh, this came out of Sonic, Mike Goldsworth. Uh, is uh, Goldsworthy is the man there still. Um, but I, I bought them originally at 34 cents. They got to 12 bucks at one stage. In fact, I think they got even higher. I sold most of mine at uh, levels above 10, and uh, I still have some for old times' sake. Old times being the word. This story has not changed in all that time. Right. It has always been the next generation of uranium enrichment. Currently, if you want to enrich uranium, you've got to spin the wheel. You've got to, it's a centrifuge process, and that is the way you enrich it. Silex has a global laser enrichment uh, project uh, together with Cameco now. It used to be with uh, various other partners along that 30-year journey. Um, and, uh, you know, they're getting to the I was going to say the pointy end of uh, actually getting this stuff working and uh, and commercialised, but you know what? They're still talking about you know three or four years hence, right. and it is very nuclear energy and, and radio anything radioactive, anything that can be uh, military grade uranium, uh, etc., is very political, very political, and the US wants to keep a tight hold on the technology. Uh, it is all under secret patents, uh, the existing technology to some extent, and it is very hard to prize open this. I, I, you know, I still have Silex. They raised some money at $4.05. That absolutely killed it. It was going like a train at one stage, a uh, combo of uh, the quantum computing. Again, that was in the 90s. We were hearing that one. Translucent at the time was their enrichment for silicon uh, in the 90s. Uh, still is, still going, still the same story. Uh, the price moves up and down. For me, um, well, I've held it for a long time. <laughs> so it, it's a hold, but the $4.05 okay. uh, raising just absolutely okay. killed it. But, um, yeah, right. there's obviously a need for it. But You um, haven't held it. You've married it. Um, and I can't believe you got out at, at over 10 bucks. And at the, the back of our five-year chart there, it was 16 cents. So it went from $12 to 16 cents. Yeah, and it went from $0.34 cents to 12 bucks. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Still holding on. Loves a roller coaster ride, uh, Henry Jennings. All right. Longer than my marriage. <laughs> All right. Let's take a look at uh, Philip wants a view, Henry, on Lion Town Resources, the uh, <laughs> the lithium giant which um, Jenny Reinhardt has been nibbling at, and I noticed in the papers today she's been having a, another nibble at it as well. Well, I've got to say, Koshi, I'm scratching my head to some extent. Liontown, we've done very well out of Liontown. We were big fans of it. And uh, the takeover bid came from Arbor Mile. They upped it, upped it, yeah. upped it. And they 
finally agreed a $3 bid with the board, due diligence, etc. Uh, the clock was ticking on the four weeks, and then Gina came along to spoil the party. Now, her motives do seem to be to spoil the party, or at least to do the Hamilton trade, which is to be in the room where it happens. And clearly, she wants a seat at the table. She's nearly got 15%, which is enough probably to block Albemarle buying it. Now, before the deal, uh, before Albemarle appeared on the scene, this stock was $1.50. Yep. If Albemarle was to pull out because it all gets too hard or the scheme uh, doesn't get up at three bucks, then what is the price of Liontown is my question. I have been selling it in my small cap portfolio, taking profits at around this level because I just it's going to be such a long game that the upside, I guess, is that uh, Albemarle pay up and give Gina a little bit of uh, extra pocket money for uh, for some sort of uh, overseas excursion, or that there is a deal to be done in terms of downstream uh, processing or a joint venture with Gina and mineral resources could be wrapped up in there. But that is a complicated game. That's way above my pay grade. We've seen this one go from $1.50 to 3 bucks. We bought this much cheaper as well. For me, it's take profits. There's nearly 8% shorted. Gina's got 15%. Right. Um, and Arbamile, their due diligence, I think, finishes there on uh, October the 11th. They were given the one month. The board said three bucks is fine. Right. They said, wonderful, we'll take the money. Yep. Uh, and the recent the recent CapEx upgrade was 6% higher for uh, CapEx from January. Take the money. Okay. All right. Uh, that's a, uh, a, a pretty loud um, uh, recommendation there, Andrew. Do you... Um, go against Henry here. Have you got the gumption? Why, to why say? would I go against why would I go against the Lion King? Right. So <laughs> no. no. Sell as, as well. In, sorry, as in I share his view. I would not be silly enough to go against him. Okay. All right. Uh, that was a quick one. Uh, we'll stick with you then, Andrew, to uh, get our our pennies worth. Don wants a view on Patriot battery minerals. Uh, exploration company, anything to do with uh, batteries, base and precious metals. Uh, got interest in Canada around the Quebec area as well. Um, what do you think of Patriot? Yeah, and again, I, I suspect Henry will have more to add to this than I have, <laughs> but certainly just rudimentary looking at it. Um, you know, half a billion dollar company, only about $3.1 million traded today. The last time we looked at it, it was knocking on the door of $4 million. So certainly the uh, level of trading in it seems to be coming off. Uh, and I also note that they had about $35 million in the bank in June, which is great. However, another one of these companies that spent about $12 million on exploration uh, over the last sort of three months. So again, are they potentially going to have to do some form of capital raising as well? So, but over to my learned friend for all the things mm. about lithium. Yeah. Henry, is this on your your lithium um, top of the pops? List. I, I wouldn't say top of the pops, Koshi. It's uh, got this Corvette project in Canada. Uh, one of the attractions of this one is that Ken Brinsden, who is the ex-Pilbara, uh, is the uh, the chair of the company. It is a big, big resource. It is one of the largest pegmatite lithium resources in America and one of the top 10 in the world. It is big, 109.2 million tonnes, 1.42% lithium oxide. The problem is it is under a lake. Oh. So they will have to drain the lake to get to the resource. Now, that is doable, and it has been done in Canada. 
but they will need to talk to the locals because they may notice the fact that their lake has disappeared <laughs> and that there is a hose pipe with Ken Brinsden sucking on one end and trying to drain it into a bucket on the other end. So they will notice that. The First Nations population, the Cree, are going to have to be on side to drain the lake, let's mm. face it. Um, so unless they can sneak underground and uh, pull the plug out and not be noticed or at least mine it from underground, then uh, this is going to take some uh, some serious diplomatic efforts to get things going. Uh, it has been, as I say, one of the one of the big, big lithium plays uh, for lots of punters because of Ken Brinsden's uh, board position and everyone loved it. But as Andrew says, volume has dropped off, interest has dropped off. We are expecting a resource to be released next year and they are drilling like crazy. But somebody needs to find the plug and pull it and wow. talk to those nice. And they have been very on side with the local population, I have to say. They have been um, very good. It seems a bit complicated. Is it overly well, complicated when there are a much simpler alternatives on the market? Well, it, it, it is overly complicated in the respect that you have to drain the lake, but you can do that. That is not overly complicated. It is just basically, right. you know, uh, uh, physics to some extent. Um, and if it wasn't so big, then you just go, you know what, it's just too hard. But yeah. because it is one of the, the top 10 uh, lithium pegmatite resources in the world, potentially, it's big enough what, to go, you know what? Um, this is the stuff that sticks out. This is part of the, the hard rock lithium that we see that's sticking right. out right. and that uh, these guys are testing for. So, um, you know, that is, uh, because it's big, it could, could be worth doing. And certainly the company thinks it will be worth okay. doing. You've just got to get the locals on side uh, and give them... So what do you reckon? Is it worth it? Uh, I think at the moment, you know, lithium is uh, a little bit on the nose, and I think the market is is telling us that the fact that it's dropped from sort of two bucks to a dollar twenty, I think there'll come a time, uh, maybe when we get this wash of negativity in the whole market out the way, uh, and maybe when we see the size of the resource upgrade uh, next year. Okay, so not now, Andrew. Not. You agree with your learned friend on that? Why wouldn't you? Yep. Why wouldn't you? Thank <laughs> you. All right, let's recap the final five stocks. AV Jennings, a no from both Henry and Andrew. Uh, Melbana, um, a no from Henry in that that junior oil market. He likes Invictus at the moment. Um, And Andrew just wants to make you aware that if you're interested in an ETF, there's one called Fuel for uh, the oil and gas area. Uh, Silex, a yes from um, Andrew, a hold from Henry, um, who's been in a loving relationship uh, with Silex for about 25 years. Um, (laughs) Limetown, a sell from both, um, and Patriot, uh, batteries a no from both. As we say, farewell to Andrew Weiland, the uh, ETF whisperer. Uh, thank you, sir. Good to see you. Uh, merchandise is underway with the ETF whisperer, but also Henry Jennings merchandise on the way. What's the uh, going on the coffee mug this week? Never mind the quality, feel the risk is uh, Henry Jennings' uh, slogan of note uh, out of the call today. I love it. All right. Thank you, gents. We'll catch you next time.
Thanks, guys. Good idea. Uh, that is all for the uh, the call today. Don't forget um, uh, our last virtual investor event. We asked if you were interested in adding alternatives to your portfolio, and nearly seventy percent of you said yes. Just like. Henry and Andrew did during the call today, um, is looking for alternatives to equities. So we're bringing together expert asset allocators to share how they build a portfolio in a space that's traditionally been out of reach for retail investors. We've also got managers from funds right across the spectrum of alternatives. So join me for Essential Alternatives. It's happening the 18th of October, 11 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Now it's free to register, but you've got to register. You can see the full agenda at osbiz.co slash essential. And just a note that a lot of the strategies and products being discussed are only suitable for wholesale or sophisticated investors. All right, uh, if you've got any stocks that uh, you would like us to cover here on the call, um, just tweet us your stocks uh, or go to the platform, osbiz.co, and and, uh, list your stocks in. If you've got any questions or comments on the individual stocks, whack that in as well. It's always a lot of fun. That's it for me for today. Stick around, more of Osbiz after this.